Good morning, MCC. Hope you guys are feeling good. Hope you had a great weekend so far. Hey, if it's your very first time here, on behalf of me, the staff, and the rest of this crazy bunch of folks around you uh, that call themselves the people of MCC, welcome in. Uh, We are honored that you would take a little bit of time out of your weekend uh, to come here and to gather around God's Word, uh, to sing to Him in worship, and to hopefully, um, if you have kids, let them go experience what is probably going to be the best hour and 15 minutes of their week. Unless you plan on taking them to Chuck E. Cheese or just give them a whole lot of ice cream afterwards. (laughs) That may happen today down there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's gluten-free. I'm Trent. I have the honor of being the lead pastor here at MCC, and it is my privilege to get to lead this church. And I'd love to have a chance to get to know you, connect with you, uh, whether it be this week or whether it even be today. So uh, if you're new here, you can take one of those red cards, connect card right there in the chair in front of you, and take it back there uh, to that connect table. Uh, We got a gift for you, uh, keep you caffeinated out there that we wanted to give you, uh, just our way of saying welcome in and welcome home. Hey, we're in this series uh, where we're talking about what does it mean to be someone who... um, when it regards to our finances, actually does those things like we believe in God. And so the series is called Economic Atheist. And, and as we've journeyed into this, it's been awesome to hear some of the conversations. I trust that the conversations you've been having within your community groups have been rich. Um, I know sometimes that's one of the things people are very hesitant to talk about with anybody other than their spouse or a significant other or somebody to go like, hey, I'm going to let y'all into my money issues. Uh, but I hope those have been rich. And one of the things that I've discovered is that there is a big need for us to say, okay, how can we as a church free up more money? margin within every one of our lives so that we can give more to be able to meet the needs of our city. And one of the ways that may happen to actually happen to take that to the next level is for us to give you guys real life practical tools. And so starting in March, we're going to be offering to you guys what is the Financial Peace University. Most people, have you ever heard Dave Ramsey? Okay, we've heard that. We've listened to radio, whatever. We understand some of the principles that are there. And so we're going to take you through a couple month long course to dive into that. And it's going to be starting in March. So I just want to let you know that's coming. It'll be a great practical next step after we exit through the series to go, okay, I've got these biblical principles. Now I need to get like some real life people. We're going to have some financial coaches there to be able to help walk you through what is that. And that's going to start in March. Um, One other thing, housekeeping stuff before we really dive in all the way. Um, ladies in the house, uh, we're going to have tea and testimony. Um, sounds so awesome. Um, tea and testimony. Um, add some testosterone in there. Um, just kidding, don't. It doesn't mix well with tea and testimony. But that's going to be tomorrow night, uh, 6.30, uh, right in here. So uh, if you're new, you, you want to have a time to just get to know some folks. Uh, ladies, um, God's doing some great work uh, through the women at this church. I invite you in to come experience some of that. Let's pray and we're going to dive in. Jesus, we love you. We, we thank you for the fact that you brought us here together. Um, God, we've heard a lot of stuff this week. Uh, our society, our world, uh, even our, our phones have given us so many messages about things that we should follow, things that we should do, things that if, if we don't do this, our life just won't be the same. But Father, I pray today as we gather under your word, we can look to it as a source of truth. We can look to it as something that is trustworthy. And Father, I pray that you would use me, God, just as a, as, a, as a humble vessel, God, broken as I may be, to be able to communicate to your people the truth that, that I found in here. And I pray that what I would say would be your truth. Because if it's not, then it's not worth saying. And it's not worth hearing from them. And so, Father, use these words from your scripture. Use these words from me, your servant. And use them to go into the hearts of the people who are here allow them to take a step closer to you today. In your name, amen. 
So today I want to start off by telling you a joke, okay? I'm not a much of a joke pastor. Uh, I let, just let the stories kind of roll, and I don't really tell like a, a crafted joke. But I'm going to tell you a crafted joke, okay? And it's my absolute favorite joke in regards to the subject at hand today, all right? So two guys, they get shipwrecked, and they land on a deserted island. No sign of civilization at all on the entire island. They get shipwrecked on the island. Guy number one, he's on the island, and he's a little bit worried. He's a little bit concerned. He looks around at the island. He looks at the other guy. He says, we have no money. We have no food. We have no water. We have no source of anything that we can do. There's nobody here. We're all going to die on this island. The second guy, he's much more tranquil and relaxed. He's leaned up against a palm tree. He's got his hat kind of tilted over his head, and he's almost asleep and taking a nap. And he says, hey, 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 don't worry. I make $100,000 a week. And the, second guy, or the first guy goes, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't think you understand. You're, you're not understanding the reality of this situation. Your money is not going to help you out here. There's no food. There's no water. There's no resources. There's no hope. There's no help. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. At this, the guy leans up and he goes, listen, I don't think you understand. I make $100,000 a week. And I tithe. My pastor will find me. (laughs) So, hopefully that lightens the mood a little bit as we get ready to talk about this idea of, of what does it mean to, to tithe? And, and, and again, if you're coming to church, you know that's kind of one of the things that people do. And, and so what, is that, what does that really mean? And, and where does that come from? And, and what does that really look like for me to really do in my life? I think there's a lot of questions that surround that. And as we've entered into this Economic Atheist series, we've tried to unpack really the four big questions in regards to if we're going to steward what God has given us God's way. What are the four big questions we've got to get figured out to ask and to answer the right way? The first one we talked about last week was how do we work? How do we work in a way that honors God in a way that he'll honor us and allow us to give honor to him by the way we do that? The second one was this, and this is what we're talking about this week, is um, how, do I, how do I tithe? What, what does that even look like? Is that, is that something that's a part of this? And then next week we're going to talk about how does a believer budget? How do I budget? What, what's a budget? What, some of you, budget? What's that word? It's a cuss word in my home. Um, <laughs> That is the B word. And then the last week, we're going to be leaning into how to Sabbath. How to work in a way where you can still rest and the rat race can actually slow down to a pace to where you can take a breath in and a breath out. And so my hope is that you'll, you'll join us through all of these and that we'll get to dive into this together. Today, we're going to be answering this question, how do I honor God? And we're going to have a, um, hopefully... An honest, candid conversation today about what is the biblical tithe. And I wanted to come at this from an approach, again, um, I'm going I'm to lay out biblical principles for all this, but I wanted to, to share some from my heart about why this is what I do. Why I have found in my life to say, man, I want to return the whole tithe to the storehouse of God. And I say I because this is something that I do faithfully. It's something that Jessica and I, we do faithfully because I never want to be that hypocritical pastor who gets up on stage and asks people to do things that I'm not doing myself. And so I say I because it's what I do faithfully. And I say return because in my kingdom economy in my head, 
and where I've settled it in my heart, and I hope and pray that you can too through the course of this series, is understanding that when I say return, that is transferring the ownership from not being something that is mine and saying, I'm returning this because God, this was yours all along. It's yours all along. And see, that return definition of returning the tithe, that's implying that God has been the owner. And we talk about tithe, uh, there's some misconceptions on this. Tithe essentially just means 10%, 10% of, of, of what you make. Now people will go, well, am I supposed to tithe on 10% of my gross or net? And I would just go, do you want a gross or net blessing? I don't know. That's up to you, it's between you and Jesus. Um, but it's, it's given 10% of that. And what I love about this is this is the level playing field for us. Regardless if you're a CEO in the corner office and making millions of dollars a year to whether or not you're, you're, you're minimum wage coming in, working at a fast food restaurant. God doesn't say, because you make more, I need you to give more. God says, I want there to be an equal level of sacrifice. I'm not concerned with an equal level of giving. I want an equal level of sacrifice from my people. And so when we talk about this idea of giving, I think a lot of people laugh um, at the joke because um, honestly, Pastors, a lot of time, can get known for being like all about the money. And that's all that they're concerned about. And hear me on this, guys. I, I've, that is so true. That is very, very true. There are people out there. There are pastors out there. There's guys leading churches today who all they really care about is money. And I can say this because I know some of those guys. But at the same time and at the same place where we can all go, yes, I've seen that out there, and no, I don't want to fund your jet, or no, I don't want to fund that spinning globe behind you. I don't know why you need that. Um, at the same time, sometimes it's easy to write off a conversation about money from a pastor when the reality is we, we want to write it off, not necessarily because all pastors are just about money. We just want to write it off because we don't want to talk about it ourselves. And my hope today is that You'd be able to enter into this conversation and it come from a place that is at a heart level to where you would go, man, I believe that this isn't a, a plea to make a sermon that would you know, get um, money out of my pocket, but you would come at it from a place going, this is a plea from a pastor that says, I want to get idols out of my heart. Because when God looks at us and all the things that he's given and all the things that he's entrusted to, one of the quantum shifts I think we have to make in regards to generosity in our lives. A lot of times when we begin to even think about generosity, we think, oh, this is a conversation about what God wants from me and how I'm supposed to give it to him. But that is backwards. Generosity in the kingdom of God is not about what God wants from you. It is about what God wants for you. And what I mean by that is God is not up in his heaven on Sunday as our count team is back there counting your money. God's not up there going, come on, be a good week. Be a good week. Like, that's not what he's doing. He's not, man, oh, I, if I'm going to ever be, be able to meet any of these needs, I've just got to, they've just got to have a good week this week. That's not what God's doing. God made it very clear throughout the, in his word over and over and over and over again that money, more than anything else in our lives, has a propensity to pull our hearts away from his. And as a loving father, he goes, man, I know that this, more than anything else, has a propensity to pull my heart away. And so I want you to keep your heart in line, to keep your heart in check. And so that's, that's the place where we're coming from in this. And so what I want to do is I want to walk you through four reasons. If you're taking notes, you can even now begin to write these down. Four reasons why I tithe, why Jessica and I have found, man, 
if, if, if there is any reason why it is worth doing it, these are the four most important reasons in the scripture that I would say line up and back these things up. If you're taking notes, um, you can write these down. First one is this. I tithe because I am an economic atheist. Not a, oh, that was a close one. I tithe because I'm an economic theist. Don't write atheist in there. That's why I do it. I do it because I really do believe in God. And I believe what his word says, and I believe that his word actually has to be an ultimate authority in my life. And this is what we talked about a little bit last week. Man, it's not really about necessarily what I say in the sermon. The big question in your life is whether or not this is actually true and trustworthy, and you're actually going to obey it or not. That's the big question. The question isn't, you know, and it's, it's not just money. The question is everything. Does the Bible, what is, is it okay to be gay? Well, I don't know. What does it say about this? It's not a matter of what you think about it. It's what does this actually say about it? Is it okay to have sexual forage? It doesn't matter what you think about it. It matters actually what does this say about it and what am I actually going to do? Am I going to obey this or not? And when we think about in regards to how we give and we think about why I personally give, it's because I say I believe in God. And I believe his word has made it really clear that this is a standard to obey. This is something that I should do because I want to be someone who says, I don't just believe in God in theory, but I believe in God in practice. And that's why in Leviticus, he laid out these ground rules. He laid out these boundaries. He said, if you guys can stay within this fence, you're going to be good to go. And that's what we see. And, and again, we'll go back to some of the stuff we talked about in Leviticus. There's a verse. Um, it's in your teaching notes, uh, Leviticus 27:30. This is what he says. He says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So he's making this, this plea to them to say, listen, I'm setting up a system. And we talked about that last week, that system of the harvest. Remember what it was? It was sow, grow, reap. We sow, we grow, and we reap. And that's the system of the harvest. And as we're letting it grow, what we do is once there is a harvest that starts to come, we give God those first fruits. And we're able to see then that in God's economy, generosity isn't something where it says it's going to be less for you. It actually says this is going to be something that is more for you. When we think about this in regards to the church, we tithe as a church because we are economic theists. Us as a church, from the leadership side of things. For us as a church, we give away right now currently 16% of our yearly budget is already dedicated to go towards missions. It, it doesn't happen. It doesn't fund what goes on here. It doesn't fund staff salaries. It doesn't do anything. It leaves this building, and it goes into Henry County and the surrounding counties here in Georgia, and then it goes overseas places like India, Albania, Ghana, Kenya, Mexico, and America's here, yes, and Haiti. I forgot that one. It goes to those places. So that there are orphanages. So that there's clean water. So that here in Henry County, the Pregnancy Resource Center has the funds that it needs. So that kids who are uh, overlooked and oftentimes the ones who are in the margin here are able to be able to have help and have support and have ministries that reach out to where they're at. And that's what we do. And over the past five years, MCC as a church, because we have allocated not just a tithe, but more than a tithe to go and to do those things, we have given away in the last five years $1.2 million out of this church. And that's something to praise God for, yeah. And so... When I say we, I'm not just talking about me and my wife. I'm talking about the church that, that I have the honor of being able to leave, that we believe in this so much that that's what we want to do. But you don't have to be really smart to put two and two together and to go, we can only give as a church as much as you give as people. 
and that they're connected. And we're going to continue to try to do everything we can to stay at that percentage. But the reality is, guys, there's a tie there. Because we don't have a, like a, I don't know, a fitness center or a, a, a coffee shop or a daycare or everything. Like what you give is MCC's only source of anything that's coming in. And when we think about this from a God perspective, this is where we go, well, God, why did you put us here again? And time back into what we talked about a few weeks ago, that we are, in fact, McDonough's Christian church. And we exist to give ourselves away. And every single person and every single chair that is in this place, you play a role in that. So the second reason, it's kind of what leads in, into the next one. The second reason why I tithe is, is I tithe because it belongs to God. Simply put, it, it belongs to him. It's his, again, in the same way that if you borrowed a, a rake from your neighbor, you don't wait till his birthday to like wrap it up and take it to his birthday party and go, here's a gift to you. Everything was borrowed. It was borrowed in the first place. And so you're not giving it to him. You are returning it to him. And see, that's where there's this shift that takes place in our mind. There, I love what um, the psalmist wrote, it was King David in Psalm 24.1. He said this, making it very clear that none of this stuff was ours. He said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There's no wiggle room there for anything to be yours. It says the earth is the Lord, everything in it, the world, all who live in it. Four different ways of saying the exact same thing. And the point is this, you can take a note, you can write this down. God hasn't given up ownership. He has only transferred stewardship. He hasn't, it's not yours to own, it's yours to steward. And listen, guys, that's a huge honor and responsibility at the same time. To go, God, you've entrusted this to me, you've entrusted it to me to steward it wisely. A lot of times when we come to a question like this, we, we hear this and we go, man, but what about, what about the things that, God, it doesn't really make sense if I were to let go of. What about the things that I feel like I really worked hard for? God, what about these numbers that don't make sense and don't add up? What are we talking about here? And this is where, to have a little bit of fun with you guys, I, I think I can best explain it to you the way um, I saw this play out between me um, and my kids. And you may have seen this play out with you and your kids this way. Um, how many of you guys, kids, and it may be you, um, how many of you guys, kids, just absolutely love fruit snacks? Any kids love fruit snacks? Talking about giving God first fruits. Who, whose kids, raise your hand if your kids love, or are like in love with fruit snacks. Okay, cool. So, my kids love fruit snacks, too. Uh, my younger one, probably more than the other one, he doesn't call them gummies. He calls them dummies. Uh, I want some dummies. Dummies. Dummies, please. Dummies, please. What would you call me? Um, but you know how it works. All right, give me a second. Um, you open them up. You give them to the kids, and they get their wiggles in because they're so happy to get their fruit snacks. And they put their little fat hands around them and they go. And a lot of times, you know, they're sitting beside you. And I remember this one particular time I'm sitting there and, and Titus has got his. And I'm just sitting there. We're watching the show. We're doing something like that. And I just kind of lean over and I'd just go to take one of the gummies from him. And you would have thought I took a knife and stabbed it in his leg down to the bone. <laughs> because he, scr he screams out, mine! 
Anybody else? Okay, you're laughing. I'm, I'm guessing you have children too. You have experienced this. And what I see happening when that, when that happens is, is four very similar things that happen in our own lives as grown-ups. The first thing that, that happened with Titus is that he forgot that I provided them. <laughs> that they were, in fact, not his in reality. That they were mine and I had given them to him. The second thing that he forgot was that I didn't need them. I didn't need him to give me these. Because I'm tall enough to go to the pantry shelf where the box is. And I'm not necessarily a man of means, but I could have went down to Sam's. And I could have bought boxes and boxes and boxes of these. And I could have taken them up to the bathroom. And I could have just filled the bathtub up with gummies and just swam in them. (laughs) As he watched me. And showed him how mine they were. And the third thing he forgot is I could take them. Again, I'm not the strongest guy in the world, but I can get a pack of fruit snacks out of a six-year-old's hands. And I could take them if I wanted them. And the last thing, I think maybe the most important thing that he forgot, is that he needed to give them. See, because generosity from child to parent has a way of softening our hearts to the one who gave And if we repeatedly grow through this cycle of entitlement and this is mine and this is what I'm entitled to, what happens then, our heart grows harder towards the one who gave us the gift and the fruit if we're not willing to give the fruit back. Now, um, who really likes fruit snacks again? Somebody raise your hand right here. Colin Baxter, come here, Colin. Come here, Colin. Colin loves fruit snacks. You got to promise to give these to your kids. Come stand right here by me. Yeah, making it rain. Okay. Colin. Now, I want to give you all these fruit snacks. There's 90 of them. Well, 89 in here. Um, The only thing that you've got to promise to do is to give the first fruits of the fruit snacks back to to me, and maybe I can allocate them somewhere else. So if if you're willing to do this deal, I'm going to give you... Uh, 80 fruit snacks, this whole box that you have got to make sure that your girls and your wife eat. Um, or you got to bring them to my office at some point. Um, but are you willing to make that trade? Yeah. You're willing to do that. If, if I get the first fruits, you're willing to take the rest. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Everybody give it up for Colin. Way to go, way to go, way to go. Anybody? Fruit snacks over here? Anybody? The baseball player in me just wants to chunk these at you guys so bad. Pull a Oprah Winfrey from stage. You get a fruit snack. In the same way that our kids can tend to be, I mean, we can tend to be the same way. And we forget sometimes that God gave them to us. God doesn't need them. And God can take them. At any, I mean, do you ever just stop and thank God for, like, <laughs> the things he has left in your life that you're not grateful for? <laughs> and the other side is, is understanding that in regards to our heart to his, he needs us to give them. 
because he wants to do something in your life. Listen, I think some of, some of us have got to this place in our faith where what got you here will not get you there. And I, and, I, and I think, and that's why I think like God laid this series on our hearts, is for some of you, the hurdle to get to the next level in faith for you is you beginning to fully trust God in this area. And I know it's hard, because hear me on this, man. I had this season in, in, in Jessica and I's life where, man, we, we were struggling. And this is what led us to the next reason why we tithe, why I tithe, is because I, I want God's favor in my life. I want God's favor in my life. So if you're taking notes, um, the third reason is because I want God's favor on my life. And I went through a season where I really doubted like that was anything that was even possible. There's a verse that I leaned into during this season I want to show to you. Um, it's uh, in the book of Proverbs. I feel like God was speaking this into my heart, and I, and I pray maybe he speaks it into yours. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life many years. And bring you peace and prosperity. Anybody in regards to finances, just like, give me some peace. I don't even need prosperity right now. Just give me some peace. Like, you can leave it at zero. You can leave it at negative. I just need some peace about it. People get that way. And people who don't have Jesus, turn to a bottle. People who don't have Jesus, turn to a drug. People who don't have Jesus, just go spend more because it just knows the pain. And that's why we're talking about what does it mean to be an economic atheist. And what does it mean to be an economic theist. But Jessica and I went through the season where we owed money, and we owed more than we were ready to owe at that point in time. And this is, uh, you know, a few years ago, this is this is while we were already still giving and tithing. I was on staff at a church. Um, when we went through one of those seasons where, honestly, guys, I was like, I see how much we owe, I see how much we bring in, and I just don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to play out. And I remember just taking some moments you know, I had one of those mornings where I was so stressed about it that you ever like try to sit down and talk to God and pray about something to God. And in the midst of your prayer, you like can't even sit down anymore. Like you're so nervous about something that you just got to like get up. Anybody else right there? You just, I, can't, God, I just got to walk. We got to walk and talk. Come on. We're going for a walk, God. And we got to talk this out. And I'm walking through and I'm processing this with God. And I'm just laying it all out there. And God, like, God, you know the numbers. You know where this is at. I don't know what I can do. God, if I go take uh, another side job and do something else, I'm going to be away from my family more. I feel like I'm not going to be able to be, good, be able to be the dad that I really feel like you need me to be to pour into my wife. I'm not going to be able to support her the way that I need to with my time, not just my resources. Yes, I may be able to pay this off, but I'm not going to be able to be there and do that thing that's near and dear to my heart. And I know to your heart, God, um, uh, side note, um, I know how much I give, God. Uh, you do too. Which, uh, I don't know, like, sometimes you guys get those giving statements where you see some of you, some of you who really do give. Some of you who really do tithe. You get that giving thing at the end of the year, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, man, I've had seasons in my life where I go, man, I could have bought a jet ski this year. <laughs> and like, don't judge me. That's just, I, I let me dream, okay? I just wanted to do that ski. But you get that. And as I'm talking to God, I know those numbers in my head. I know the bottom line. And that number that was there of like what I gave God in about a year's time was about what I needed to be able to get out of this hole that I had found myself in. And I'm talking to God. I'm going, God, what if, God, what if, it, I mean, would you be super upset if I just, I don't know, uh, stopped tithing for a little while and we just kept tabs on everything and then we caught up later? And what's funny about this story, um, I was telling Jessica that I was planning on talking to you guys about this. And she was like, you thought that? Um, she's the holy one in our house. I'm telling you, spiritual giant. Not even once did she think about not tithing. Uh, it was like the first thought that came to my head. Um, 
But I was going to catch up. I was going to catch up. The lies we tell. Um, And I never felt at peace with doing any of those things as I talked to God about it. And about a couple weeks went by, and uh, my pastor at the church I was working at, who was like the boss of my boss's boss at at that time, um, I got an email from his assistant that said, "Um, Pastor wants to meet with you. Can he meet with you today? And I was like, oh, no. You know, like when your boss's boss asks you to come into your office, you're like, what did I and you're like nervous, and you're thinking, did I, did I respond to that mean lady's email the right way? Like, what, what's going to happen here? And I'm thinking through what all possible possibilities that he could uh, want to, and none of the, what actually he wanted to meet me about crossed my mind. And I go, and I sit down in his office, and he essentially just goes to say, hey, I, I, I just feel like you need a raise. I feel like you've done a great job. You've been here for a while. You've shown honor and integrity, and, and you've showed some grit, and, and you've just stayed after it. And so uh, I feel like you need a raise. And that raise was about exactly what we needed to be able to incrementally continue to tithe and pay off what we need. And so I tell you this not to say that is God's prescription in your life. And if you start tithing today, you're going to have all that IRS bill that you, that you found, just found out happens like you actually owe. I'm not promising you that. But I am boldly saying that if you're within, again, what does the verse say? Do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. They prolong your life and your years. How many of you, I mean, you ever stop and think about how many years of your life have been cut off because you've been worrying about money? Or the stress that's developed and the ulcers in your stomach and the hair that's fallen out or turned gray because of the stress that's there? I just wonder if there's got to be a different way to life. And I'm not prescribing that. But I'd be willing to bet if we walked through the, this room and we started telling people stories about your, your own personal tithing journeys, the people in this room who do tithe, I guarantee there'd be stories about groceries just showing up on porches, about little white envelopes with $100 bills just being stuffed in mailboxes, about raises just happening kind of out of the blue, about sales happening that they didn't know were coming. Because here's the deal. When we operate within God's fence of what his commands are, it frees him up to be more generous in our lives. And so I tithe because, man, I, I just want that to be where I'm at. I want to put myself in the location. Think about it from your kids. Christmas just happened. How many of your kids, if you, they just said, nope, I'm going to stay in my room, like, and they didn't come downstairs, are they going to get to unwrap their presents? No, because they have to put themselves in the place to receive the gift. And giving is one of the ways where we put ourselves, and returning that to God is one of the ways where we put ourselves in the place to receive the gifts that God wants to pour on us. Not so that you can just post all them to Instagram and just flex on everybody. He gives us those gifts so that we can glorify him and praise him because of who he really is. Now, I know some of you, you're Bible people, and you're super saved, and you read your Bible a whole lot. And you read this, and you're going, Trent, you're talking to me a lot, a lot of Old Testament stuff. Old Testament is the one that says, i got to be under this law, and i got to do all this. I'm a New Testament believer, and I believe that Jesus said, now we're under grace, and we're under forgiveness, and we've received this mercy. And I go, great, I'm glad that you're a student of God's word. That is awesome. That is, like, well done. And so if you're really reading it, you'll discover what I have discovered. And it's that love may actually require more than love, or more than the law. So let's do a little test. We'll figure it out for sure, okay? Which requires more, Old Testament or New Testament? In the Old Testament, Jesus comes in and he says, hey, uh, or the Old Testament, the Old Testament law that Moses got from God, he comes in, Old Testament law goes, hey, don't murder. Jesus comes on the scene under love. and says, anybody 
who thinks evil thoughts about their friend, who tells their brother, Raka or fool. Anybody who says things that make it seem as if another person's life doesn't matter. They are just as guilty as murder. So which requires more, the law or the love? Love. Old Testament, the law says, do not commit adultery. All right, pretty simple. Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament under love and goes, You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. I tell you, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery in your heart and you are guilty of that sin. Which requires more, law or love? Love. In the Old Testament, it says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, which essentially means someone does bad to you, you do bad to them. Jesus comes on the scene and says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But what I'm telling you now is love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Which requires more, law or love? Love. Are you seeing a pattern here? In the Old Testament, a sacrificial lamb cut it. We sacrifice a lamb, it covers our sin. In the New Testament, it was Jesus, the Lamb of God. See, here's the reality, folks. Love always requires more. In regards to our giving, if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a New Testament believer. I'm a New Testament giver. Well, what that means then is now you have the 10% as the benchmark. And now that's the standard through which we operate to not just be someone who checks off a box and says, I tithe. But in Jesus' thing is what Jesus was trying to get people to understand is I don't need you to just tithe. I want you to give and offer out of a generous heart that is willing to get close enough to the needs of people that you can realize what those actually are. And so we give because we truly, in our hearts, believe that we want his favor on our life. And that is how it happens. The last reason that I give is I want treasure in heaven. Because I know that where my treasure is, that is what my heart will inevitably be connected to. Like if I store it up here, then my heart is going to have the tendency to get connected to a big house, to a truck, to an image, to a persona that all those things collectively could make. And for some of you, you're the spender and you're like that. For some of you, your heart's collected to the security that just saving a lot of it up. You don't want a nice pair of shoes. You don't even want to go out to eat today. You'd rather save the money so that you can have a big fat nest egg and you can look at the thing and you just go, oh, I'm at peace. <laughs> it, it will pain you to go out to eat today. We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about um, uh, but savers and spenders and we're going to talk about budget. It's going to be fun. Bring your spouse with you. you I mean, y'all going to be elbow, it's going to be elbow matches. It's going to be great next week. It's going to be great. Because God never puts a saver and a spender he always puts those two together. He never puts two savers together. He always puts a saver and spender in the same, same, same marriage. It's so funny. But God says, there is nothing that can potentially get in the way of the Father's heart and your heart than money. And that's why he said what he said. And so today, I want to circle back to the verse that we read in the book of Malachi. If we can, we can put it up on the screen. There we go. Verse, verse 10 is where we'll start. So hop down after that first one. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. And then this is where I want to lean in. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour it out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store. What God is saying here is test me 
in this. And I want to invite you guys to do that as well today. If you will, in the chair in front of you, there's a thing that says tithe challenge. I invite every single person here just to grab one of those and take it out. Everybody, right where you're at. See, I, I don't know what it's like to be in your seat. And I don't know what is keeping the majority, because again, we, I've gone through, I've looked through the numbers. I know how many people here give. I don't know the names attached to anything, but I know the number of people here who do give. And if the average, um, if the, the, the average household income in Henry County is $67,000, that's the average household income in Henry County, $67,000. We were playing around with some numbers. And if $67,000 is average household income, then what that means is that 51 people at MCC tithe what would be the average Henry County tithe based off of the average income. If you want to play around a different way, you could say if you make $13 uh, or if you make $15 an hour, you work 40 hours a week, time that out throughout the course of the year, it's around $31,000. If we played it like that, there's a little over 100 people at MCC who do tithe. This past week, there were 455 adults at church. So play the stats out however you want. Either 55 people were tithing off of what was the average Henry County income, or we can say, hey, we're a blue-collar church. We'll say our average, our, our average family income is $31,000. Okay, we'll be, we'll be blue-collar, hard workers. Even then, out of the 450 people who do come to MCC, only 115 are tithing. And so I talk about this because my hope and my prayer is that every single one of you would live inside the fence of God's favor and be willing to test him in this. And not, here's the deal. I know the biggest hurdle to testing him in this is going... Just like I was there going, man, I have no idea whether or not this is going to actually work. I have no idea if I'm going to have enough to pay the bills. And it, listen, if you're here and you're a first-time person here today, even if you're like within your first few months of you know, being here with us at MCC, I'm going to excuse you wholeheartedly from this conversation. Like, you're, you, this isn't for you. But if you're here and this is your church and this is where you say, this is where I belong, this is my place, man, think about it like this. You could not go to Chili's or O'Charlie's after church today and sit down and just be like, give me one of those nice fat rolls just glistening with butter. And you sit down, you get there serving you, they're bringing you out the rolls, you're just gobbling them up because they're delicious carbs. Yes, Lord, I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> About to eat all these gummies. And you sit down and you experience all that. And then when it's over... You just go, that was great. See you all next week. They'd put you in an arm bar and like call security. Because there's no other place other than church really where you can go in, get served, get fed, and then go out and nothing be required of you. But here's the deal. and I'm not trying to say that to make you feel any sort of guilt at all. The reality is we are not a corporation. We are the church. We don't exist for consumers. We exist for worshipers. So you come in, you, you, I, again, I have no idea who does and who doesn't. You will not get treated any different. There will be no favorites played. 
But the reality is, I want us to enter into a place where we're actually operating within the favor of God and we're giving ourselves away to the city. So I want to take away every roadblock hurdle that ever could possibly be. And so here's the deal. We're going to enter into a, a 30 or a three-month tithe challenge. 90 days. If you and your family or you as an individual say, I'm going to tithe for the next three months. And at the end of those three months, you look back on your life and you go, this didn't work. I, I didn't, I, ends didn't meet. I haven't been blessed because of this. Come talk to us. And we'll give you every penny back. Every penny is yours. There's not a lot of red tape. There's some, there's some stuff on the back that talks about it. Essentially, if you have already been giving, well done. You're, 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 you can't jump in on this. This is for people who are not currently tithing. I know some of you are sitting there going, well, bro, how do you know what my salary is? I don't know what your salary is. I don't want to know what your salary is. So will I really know if the number you give is a tithe? No, but you do, and God does. And that's all that matters. The real thing on my end that matters is us as a church and our leadership, we're saying we're willing to give you every single thing back from it. So why not? Why not take the leap of faith to say, God, what would you do if, again, it, we don't even have to say what would he do. He told us what he would do. He said, I will throw open the gates of heaven. I will throw open this and pour out a blessing on you so much so that you don't have room to store it. And he's just asking, will you give the first fruits to me so I can allow more harvests to take place? And so I invite you in this moment, we're going to receive our offering. I haven't done that yet today. And you're going to have a second right there where you're at, between you, your spouse, just you as an individual. And you can take that card and you can fill it out. Mark the dates. If you have questions about that, man, you can fill it out now. You can drop it by the office at any point this week. Again, we're trying to do everything we can to eliminate the hurdle to allow you to be able to trust God and experience the fullness of His blessing in your life. And so as we get ready to give, Take some time. Just have a seat. Don't feel like you've got to get up. You've got to do anything. Take a second. Be with God and say, God, is this a step you're willing and you're wanting me to take? To be able to trust you in this. If you're a young person here, I would challenge you with this simple reality. That oftentimes we think, and I was here as I, when I was a young person in my 20s, going... God, I don't, I'm barely making anything. I don't, I don't even have anything to really give. If you can start this habit now, it'll set you up for so much success later. Because there's nothing like operating within the favor of God for a long haul. And so today may be the day you start something that will radically change your future, your family's future, even your grandkids' future, because you took a small step of obedience today while you were just you. And I invite you in that today. As the plates pass, offering plates, you can place that in there. And again, if you're here and it's your first time, first few times, none of this, none of this is for you. But I wanted you to see it. Because all the other times that we gave, we gave so that people like you could find your way in here. We gave so that kids like yours could have a safe and fun environment where they could learn about Jesus on their level. 
we gave so kids like yours could come in in the midst of the craziest season of life that is middle school and high school and have adult leaders who could pour in their life, give them a safe place and environment to come out of this crazy world and be able to experience God's truth. And that's why we do this. So I invite you today to take that step of faith, be willing to test God in this, and see if he isn't trustworthy. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for all the things that you have been patient with us on, God. In the midst of our continuation of living outside of what we know you've called us to. And Father, today I pray in faith, thanking you for the small steps of obedience that your people are going to take as they test you in this, God. There's no shame, there's no pride. It's just honesty, God. Them honestly going, I trust you, God. I'm going to test you in this because I believe you're a trustworthy, loving Father. Draw them to you, Jesus. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. and Help them to hopefully take the step of faith that will take them to a place they never have been before. In your name.